everyone, and in today's episode, I'm joined with Dean, and, and Dean has um, Crohn's disease, and, and today we're going to be hearing all about his uh, journey so far. So, well, well, thank you, Dean, for joining me today. Thank you, Mason, for having me on. Yeah. Um, so, um, my name's Dean, as Mason's just said. Um, I am 38 years old, and I have been living with Crohn's disease for most of my life. Um, so, as a a young, young baby, like, you know, uh, one, one and a half. I was a very, very sickly child, um, and the doctors wasn't really sure what was wrong with me. Um, my mum and dad were obviously quite concerned, and obviously I don't really remember back then, but the main focus my parents say was that I would only ever eat Marmite on toast on the potty okay. for quite a long time. Um, because obviously I know now that when I was eating I was having pains but as a young child that age you can't um, get your point across so uh, so yeah young age so uh, from one and a half to two two and a half I was in hospital quite a lot and then obviously Crohn's disease can come and go so it kind of went um, and I had a really normal um, upbringing you know um, through school and stuff um, and it was Forty. It was. I was fourteen years old. So it was two, uh, two thousand six, um, when I had my big flare. But it took. Um, I'd say it was nearly seven months for them to diagnose me correctly. So first of all, they thought it was celiac disease. So I cut out wheat and stuff. It didn't help. Uh, they even thought it could have been diabetes for a bit. So I did that whole thing. So you know, it's, it's quite a difficult. Um, disease to be diagnosed I don't know how how long did it take you Mason to get diagnosed it, it, it did uh, like for me it, like um but like the, in the in the lead up to getting diagnosed um like I didn't notice it like I, I was um 16 at the time and now I'm 19 so it, it's been it's been a, a couple years which I've had Crohn's disease now and like like b- before I was diagnosed um I, I, I lost quite a lot of weight and uh, yeah and I wasn't eating anything, and uh, like um, uh, I, I was put on liquid drinks, which I didn't like either. So I was kind of stuck in the middle there. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't win anyway. <laughs> but like for, from there, like it was my parents were the ones that noticed it. It, it wasn't me because yeah. I, I, I didn't think anything of it at first because I didn't feel any pain. And then towards it got yeah. worse. Um, and then. I, I wasn't eating uh, like I, I wanted to eat because I, I do like eating because um, you have to eat but um, it, even when I was trying to eat stuff um, I left my plate full and um, I was getting quite bloated even just eating like a mouthful or something I'll be full yeah so that was quite hard. yeah so uh, yeah so 14 was so it's a my my story's in bit funny because I remember with my mum I was making honeycomb for the first time and I have dyslexia and I read the recipe wrong and I put a a tablespoon of bicarbonate soda instead of a teaspoon and we made the we made the honeycomb and I was the first one to try it and um, I had the most awful stomachache and I got rushed into hospital and this was the whole start of it but in my head as a young child, I always remember saying to mum, oh, I ate the honeycomb and that made me ill. It wasn't. It was just the fact that it had too much bicarbonate soda in. Um, really affected all the um, my Crohn's disease. So yeah, it was seven months of misdiagnosis. Um, and then they diagnosed me, um, which was a great relief because things started to make sense. Um, 
and then I just tried to live as normal life. My parents were very much wanted me to do lots of research, and you know, um, uh, they, I felt they wanted me to wrap up in cotton wool. And I've always been the type of person that I just want to have a good life. And, you know, if I've got clothes to do, I've got clothes. Um, so I didn't really learn a lot about it. And then I would say when I uh, was in doing exams in secondary school, so to the end of my uh, secondary school, with the stress and that, that's when I noticed it got really bad. Um, so we tried uh, azathioprine I was on um, for many, many years. And looking back now, I realize azathioprine didn't really work for me. It gave me really bad mental health problems. Um, and at the moment, the doctors, the doctors, I'll get to it in a little while, the doctors are trying to put me back on that medication, but I'm saying I don't want to take, there must be hundreds more medications out there now. I'm not taking that one again. Yeah. Um, and then I had a liquid diet, as you've just mentioned. So for six weeks, I could only have uh, four sip was the make I was drinking. So I had to have 12 of these milkshakes a day. Um, that was to allow everything to heal and get better. Um, but if I'm honest, Mason, I struggled. I left an older brother and a younger sister. I lived at home with my mum and dad, and you know, to have to sit there at dinner time with them all eating roast dinner and you're not able to. So I did used to like sneak, uh, I don't know, like pots of cold store and a bit of bread into my room and hide it for the night and I would eat it. So um, <laughs> yeah. that liquid diet didn't really work for me, unfortunately, because I was a bit too young to understand what I was doing by cheating and eating. Um, and then it ended up in 2000, I ended up having a right hemiplectomy. Um, and then that was six months recovery. And then from 2000 to uh, 2020, I was in remission. Yeah. So I managed a whole 20 years, near enough, in remission. Yeah, that is a long time, Dean. Like, it's totally mm. 20 years. And uh, like, like, like with like Ada Fireprint, because I know that is a very powerful drug um, to be on. Because I'm actually on it currently right now. And like, um, I'll, I'll draw, like, my aim is like, because I, I, I'm in remission at the moment. And I, I, I have been for uh, like a while. And like, um, because I, ever since I, 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 like, I, like the drug I take, I take Humira every two weeks. Um, so I've been on that for... Is that one of these new biologics, the injections? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like um, like they've changed it a bit because it was, I think, just a red pen. And then they've changed it to like, a, like you don't see the needle. So it, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt as much. And uh, I think that's better. But I don't inject myself because I, um, I'll stress too much and I'll probably get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get someone else to do that. But... I've been on that for a while, but but before then I I, I did take infusions for a year, and that was infliximab, and I had a bad reaction to that, where um, it wasn't very nice because um, I was on it for a year, and I thought every infusion was going so well, and then on the ninth one, the last one, um, I, I, like during like the dose, like the, like the first in 15 minutes of it, I, I felt all red and and hot and like I was in the sauna, so something was wrong yeah. there. And then at first I didn't think of anything of that because I thought maybe it's hot in the room at first and then it got hotter and hotter. And then I thought the cannula was, I was feeling like it was going to pop out. And no. and then I needed oxygen to breathe. So that, that was another thing. And um, and like, like I did end up continuing the infusion but at a very slow rate because they go faster each time. So for, from there, that's the only bad reaction I've had like having um, 
like medication wise but like other than that getting pain I the pain I had when before I was diagnosed was quite burny in my stomach area yeah I have the same too yeah. well I did have the same um so yeah so I would you know I, felt, I count myself very lucky Mason I've, I've met lots of people over the time I'm a, actually a volunteer for the Crohn's and Colitis charity um not that we can do a lot at the moment um but you know I've only had the one operation in 2000 and then managed really luckily to get 20 years in remission but you know I did a lot of I did a lot of research you know I'm not a medical person so but for me I did stuff like drinking apple cider vinegar every morning um taking certain supplements with certain things cutting food out and you know it worked um but unfortunately where they did the operation in 2000 um on the right hemiplectomy where they rejoined me I ended up getting a scar tissue that was growing on the inside so my um intestine over the years was getting smaller and smaller and I would say over the last five years I'd had four serious blockages where I'd been rushed into hospital in a um ambulance and you I don't know if you've had it but there's not a lot they can do they give you a lot of painkillers and you've just got to wait for it to pass um so there was talks of doing an operation and we were just seeing how things were going and then um in the end of 2018 I managed to get promoted in my job when I was going to work over in China um so I was working between China and the UK and I was really, really worried most of that when I was in China, I might get a blockage and end up in a Chinese hospital yeah. where I wouldn't be able to talk. Um, so I actually took the decision and I said that I wanted to elect to have um, a routine keyhole surgery. Should take two hours where they would have just gone in, took the scar tissue out and rejoined it. It's all very well. So I flew back um, December um, from China. December the 8th, I went in for the routine operation. Um, little did I know that that day would change the rest of my life because I was meant to be in hospital for two hours um, and on the operating table and that operation actually ended up being 12 hours. Um, obviously I don't know any of this because I was asleep and then when I came out from the operation um, I had a bit of a bad time with all this last thing because I should have been in for minor surgery and then it ended up being major surgery, but we don't understand how it happened. The information didn't get passed properly to the recovery when I was in recovery. So they were making me eat and drink like as soon as I woke up, which obviously anybody with Crohn's disease or colitis would know if you've had major stomach surgery, you can't eat for quite some time. There was just a catalogue of all these little mistakes and things. And, but I kept saying to the doctors that I don't feel well. Um, and they just kept saying, you just need to go to the toilet, you need to pass the motion, it'll be fine. And my stomach was getting bigger and bigger. And I just said, look, I, I, I'm 37 years old. I've lived with this disease most of my life. I'm telling you something's not right. And, you know, I'm listening. I should have been more forceful. I didn't listen, you know, they're the experts. So I listened to them. And 10 days after my first surgery, I was rushed into hospital for a 27 hour life-saving operation with a 20% chance of survival. Um, and when I came round from that, I had a double digostomy, which is a version of a stoma, but very high up and very difficult to deal with. And I also had a pick line for, um, to be fed on. Um, and, you know, my whole life changed. I ended up losing my job, my home, my health, all whilst being in a pandemic. So, you know, um, couldn't have visitors. I was transferred from my 
home in Brighton to Oxford because Oxford has one of the best hospitals for my care. Um, and it's just, you know, it's been a really long road to recovery. Um, and just trying to accept that what's happened most of it's very, I'm Sometimes I'm angry because, you know, the surgeon made a mistake. I know mistakes happen, but you know, this has completely changed my life. Um, but you have to just accept, you know, things happen for a reason. And I've got to believe that, you know, there's, there's a bigger picture out there for me. And this has all happened to make me a big, bigger and better person. I completely agree, Dean, and I do think, like, even though, like, when doctors and, like, like um, consultants do give you that advice about different things, I think, like, um, if, like, if you do feel something's not right, like, um, you should always go with your gut instinct, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I the doctors, you know, i very, very grateful for all the doctors, what they do, but sometimes I think, you know, yes, you've trained for many years, but us as patients, we're dealing with it every day, you know. I knew, I knew something wasn't right. I knew something in my belly wasn't working for me. I don't know, you know, I'm not medically trained, so I couldn't tell them what, but they just wouldn't listen to me. So it just, you know, made things worse. Um, but, you know, I, I've survived, I've got through it, and I'm a bit like you within lockdown. I was struggling because I didn't know anybody. You know, I had this stoma for the first time and this pick line. So I decided to set up a, a, a Instagram account to follow my journey. And, um, you know, I've met some amazing friends and some inspirational people through this. I've done a couple of photo shoots and um, been on some other um, websites and stuff. But there's an amazing community out there, you know, and it's thanks to all of people like you and everybody else that we all out there posting and trying to get our messages across. Um, you know, made me in a time when I felt really low and really lost and like nobody else was dealing with what I was going through by having an Instagram account, I met a whole um, platform of people going exactly through what I was going through. I, I do think like, like that, that it's, it's a very good way, like just creating an account. Like, cause I, I like, uh, uh, like it was only last year I just I decided to create my own like uh, awareness account for Crohn's and I, IBD and I didn't notice how many people that there was out there. Mm. And like at, at first when I was diagnosed, I did think that like I don't know anyone else that has it am I going to be the only one but then you notice that there's so many people to talk to yeah and you know I've got you know I'm really looking forward for Covid disappearing because I've got you know five or six really influential people on the IBD community that I've become really good friends with and we would really like to meet up you know I've even got a really good friend that I've met that lives in Sweden that we talk all the time and she had a stoma about the same time as me. So, you know, when we couldn't sleep late at night in hospital, we would message on Instagram and stuff. You know, and I think all of these connections, this is what you need when you're, you know, when you're low, when you're in a hospital late at night and you feel alone and then you can just put your phone on. You know, so technology can be a bad thing in some ways, but also it can be an amazing thing because, you know, it's, it's, it's opened up this whole world of friends and people supporting me. Oh, I completely agree. And, and sometimes like, like, for me, Dean, I might just have a, a break off my phone for maybe one or two days just to uh, have time to yourself. Because and and then when it's time back on, you get you get all these notifications saying where you're gone and everything. But yeah. um, I think it is good just to have breaks sometimes. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, too much of a good thing can become bad. But you know, I'm I'm so I'm now at the position I'm six months post uh, reversal surgery. You know, so I'm very, very grateful that um, I've been lucky enough to be able to have the stoma reversed. 
the whole most of the whole time I had my stoma because because it I was it wasn't planned. I just woke up and it was there. I never had time to um, mentally prepare, so I really didn't like it, you know. And, and because it was such a difficult stoma to deal with, being a double digestomy, it was such a high output. I wasn't allowed to eat very much, and I had to um, drink Lucasade uh, with salt in every day. That was all I was allowed to drink. You know, I was very restricted. Um, and I just was struggling, but you know, through everybody and that. And now I'm coming out the other side. So six months ago, I had the reversal, and um, you know, then I looked at my body, and I was like, society, you know, Instagram, and that says you should have a six pack, or you should have this, or you need that car, or, you know. And I found myself getting a bit upset and sad, so I came off all social media for a little while, and with people like Natalie Amber and Perry and that. Um, off of Instagram, I really learned to like love myself, and I would say, Mason, you know, I'm 38 years old. I before I was had this operation, before I was ill, I, I worked out and I had a good body. You now I haven't worked out for over a year now. I've got massive scars, but I can truly say, when I look in the mirror now, I generally look at my body and I can say I love myself and everything about it because my scars and my imperfections now, they're um, they're victory, you know they show that I've showed up to the toughest fight of my life and I won. Oh, I completely agree and like um like uh, as you speak about uh, Natalie Amber Ding actually she, she she's also uh, she came on the podcast to speak about like her her crowns as well and like it's just amazing like about the amount of good people that you can just speak to I think like especially for Instagram I think that's the best way. Well N- Natalie's been one of my inspiration she's you know I I reached out to her very early on and she's been always at the end of a message we've swapped numbers you know I've, I've joined I've sent her a couple of photos when we've done like Dove campaigns and uh, we did a Vogue campaign once where we pretended to be on the cover of Vogue with our stomas and stuff but yeah she just people like her and Anne and that they just inspire me um, my page is not as big as them because I haven't got the headspace all the time right now but it's just nice to know that you know I've had messages from I've also have ADHD, which was recently diagnosed, and I have uh, dyslexia. So I talk about that a little bit, and I've had so many lovely messages from people saying, "Oh, my son didn't want to get out of bed today, but I showed him your video, and you know he's got out of bed." So it makes me feel good, but also I know I'm helping other people. Yeah. So I think like with, with Natalie, I think she she like like um she she, she was on a show like I think it was Amy uh from, the dancer from from the Strictly, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I actually watched that, and I thought that that, that, that was really good. Like, uh, like just speaking about like Crohn's and everything. And I like that show particularly because some of my friends, you know, that I've been friends with for many years, even now, even you know, I've had problems with my own sister before saying because I don't look ill. You know, you get that. Yeah. I'm sure you get it. Oh, you don't look ill. You know what's wrong? But um, you know, people like Natalie and that just make you feel a lot better about yourself you know it is okay to have a day when I don't want to get out of bed and I'm going to stay in bed all day but it's also okay to the next day get out of bed and post pictures of your scars all over the internet and not care what anybody says because we still get bad you know or you're doing it for attention or no I'm not I'm doing it because there might be a person out there that is insecure about their body that needs to see somebody like me or these other people showing their scars off to know that it's okay yeah, I do think it's amazing. Like, when like like people do do show like their stomas and like out there because I think it, it's very brave. Like, it's, I think that although having Crohn's disease is like that could be hard to speak about about at first. I think the stone bag is just another thing on top of it. 
gay males there's, there's so many females and you know hats off to all the ladies out there that are posting their stoma bags and body confidence and there's not so many men and there was even less um gay men out there so that's another reason i wanted to be a gay man that was comfortable in his skin that had a stoma bag and you know mason and i have dating profiles and i changed my pictures to have pictures of me with my stoma because i was better for talking to people um thinking you're getting along and then explaining that i had a stoma and then just stop talking to me you know it doesn't make a difference to who i am so i thought i'd put the pictures up there to preempt people so they would see and you know i got some really lovely people that were really genuine and asked questions and didn't understand i wanted to know and then i got horrible messages like why would you put that picture on who's going to want to date you you know you should go and kill yourself and stuff like that luckily i've got thick skin and you know i don't listen to all of that but you know so there's still a lot of work for everybody to do so as small as you might think your pages or my pages or natalie's page or somebody we all make a difference because we might just touch that one person that needed to be touched that day um so no it's good that we're all doing this i, I don't think it like like it matters how big your page is or like uh, how much you put on it or how many like people you get seeing it i think it's not about that i think it's just about like you say just helping one person like like, like for example with, with, with this podcast like i i, I although i love seeing like like how, how many downloads i get on it like listening to it I, I like I, I, like uh, I'm I'm more focused about like how many people like can reach it and if it just helps one person yeah. and that that's great. Of course, and you know that's why when you messaged me, I was really happy to come on and have a talk. Because I I do like like I feel like especially like in lockdown and like maybe you're maybe people aren't like doing as much as they would have hoped like yeah. Especially in a pandemic, where it can be really hard, and like uh, with mental health too, and like um, just speaking to people like face to face, I think helps quite a lot. Yeah, I'd say Mason. This, so the first lockdown, you know, last year, um, I was really ill in hospital and was I was high risk, so I was self isolated and all that. So this is the first time I've been well enough in a lockdown to. So um, for me, I'm struggling a little bit because I was locked up all last year you know being very ill now i'm feeling well enough to i want to go out dancing and meet friends and running and do stuff and you can't so i'm really struggling with the um you know i'm talking to you and i've got friends and i facetime but i'm struggling i want con- body contact now i want to cuddle somebody and you know it's not the same is it so um you know i've been again i've been very vocal and i'm lucky in brighton there's so many charities you know so i've got a lot of support i'm i've currently been homeless for six months um so i've just been given a flat uh, last friday i'm moving in three weeks so i'm getting you know so it's a big thing for me the next couple of weeks i'm going to be living on my own for the first time in my whole life after losing everything you know and starting and you know i'm excited mason that's i'm trying to rather than be like oh why me and why did this happen to me and i've lost everything i'm thinking is actually it's exciting now i've got nothing to lose but everything to gain so um i'm just trying to turn the negative into a positive Uh, I think that's a really good thing, just like like being that kind of way, because like like I think that's one of the ways what's helped me like through I think the past year, like like thinking good things about what's happened and like not all bad things. All there is quite a lot of bad things about everything, like yeah. through the past year and and still now. But um, like just thinking about good things and just thinking that it's not going to last forever. That it still may be a while, around quite a while, but 
it, it, it should go eventually, hopefully. Yeah, of course. And, you know, um, I think podcasts like this and things are really important right now because, you know, you people need, I don't know, me especially, I don't like my own company and I get bored very easily. I'm normally doing stuff. So, you know, I've got quite a lot of podcasts and books and things I'm reading. So, you know, the more people that put relevant content out and be open and honest and, you know, um, I'm a big, I've got a little key ring, actually. I got it off of which I buy for all of my friends. I don't know if you can see it. Oh. So it's a little, it says IBD warrior, and then it says don't make poo a taboo. <laughs> um, and I try and buy them these for all my friends. They're like 1.99 off of Etsy, some lady gives them to charity, but I have them on my queue. So you know, a lot of people comment when I, I'm playing at a checkout or something, and I'm like, well, I have phone disease, you know, and um, people can make, you know, I was, when I had my stoma, I went to a disabled toilet, obviously. When I came out, um, even my mum was there, like, she was mortified. I had a really, um, an, an older lady was really like aggressive towards me. It was like, why are you in there? You know, I might, I need that. And I was just, I just pulled up my top and said, look, I've got a bag and you know, I might not look ill, but I am ill. And I said, I'm sorry if you be waiting. Um, but it just shocked me how, you know, people can be so judgmental. Yeah, yeah. Oh, There's no I need to. I agree. And it's happened to me as well in the past where like, like uh, I, I have my can't wait, I have a can't wait card to use the toilet. Yeah. And, got one too. And and one time there was no toilets around and I really needed one. And I went into a restaurant and there was only staff toilets there. So f- first of all, I didn't get anything out. I just wanted to see what the member of staff said. At first I said, I said, um, to, uh, am, I na- am I able to use the toilet? And she said, no, it's only for staff. And then, and then I said, um, uh, I, I have Crohn's. And I showed her my, um, my can't wait card and then she let, she let me through. And of course, it, like for a can't wait card, it's not like a law, is it? Like they don't have no. to. They could still say no, no which would be quite sad. At like, especially like if you really, really need to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, but even you know, Mason, I was out a couple of weeks ago with some friends for a roast dinner, um, and I was still dealing with my stomach, the reversal at that point. And I called the waitress over and I said, "Excuse me, do you have a disabled toilet?" And she said, she just looked me up and down and she said, why can't you walk? And I said, of course I can walk. She said, then why are you asking for a disabled toilet? I said, that's not the answer. I said, you don't need to ask me while I'm asking for a disabled toilet. I'm asking you, I'm a customer, I'm asking you. She said, well, she said, the men's toilets are down there, down some stairs. That's why I asked if you can't walk because you're asking for a disabled toilet. She said, and the women's are over there. No, we don't have a disabled toilet. I said, that is a simple answer. You could have just said no. And it really upset me and I was shaking, I couldn't eat my dinner. So at the end of the meal, I called the manager over and I said, look, I don't want to cause a big scene or fuss, I said, but she's quite clearly very young, I said. And, you know, again, other people could get upset. So I just said, look, I don't want to get in trouble, but just educate her. And when somebody says, do you have a disabled toilet? You don't need to look them up and down and ask why or say, can you not walk? You know, that's really rude. Um, I said, so, I'd say, you know, I always try and do it in the nicest way. I wouldn't want to get her in trouble or anything, but I just pulled the manager to the side and said, look, could you just have a word with the younger ones and just say, you know, no, we don't have a toilet, but, they, you know, they sh- she shouldn't have been questioning me or why I was asking for a certain service because it has nothing to do with her. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, like, yeah, you, you do get those, like, like, like people who do automatically think, like, uh, being disabled is just a person in a wheelchair when it's not. Yeah. Although people are disabled in a wheelchair and they can't do as much but 
still like put people at us uh, our, our classes like and and that and, like to use and to use yeah. the, one of those toilets although uh, don't get me wrong there are people that aren't disabled that do use a disabled toilet uh, but um like um like i think you should, you should just like you shouldn't have to explain yourself really no but you know sometimes like i say i'm thick skinned so if someone says something i'm quite i was quite confident enough of lifting up my top and showing them my bag and that shuts them up straight away <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah so i'm just i'm just in that i'm I'm in that. So for me, Mason, you're you're obviously on uh, the injections. Yeah. So so for me, I've never, as I said, I was in remission for 20 years, so I haven't taken any medication. So they've told me because of the severity of the Crohn's disease when I had the operation, that after six months after the um, after the reversal, so in June then they want to put me on which i understand to be the biologics which will be one of these new or fandangled injections or something yeah um so is that what you take is it that's uh well i i i, I, I take it it's called uh, it's got a weird name where i can't pronounce it it's very hard to <laughs> all these different names but it's class under like Hemira and like yeah. I, I i take it every two weeks i much prefer than going into hospital for an infusion yeah. So, so, so every two weeks it'll be at home. Like it, it can, like I inject it. It can either be like in your stomach or your thigh, and I, yeah. I get injected into my thigh because I just find it a bit easier. Yeah. And that's worked very well for me. And like, um, and I'm. I also take uh, vitamin D and B12 because I, I get a bad fatigue. Um, so, oh, me too. I have a B12 injection every three months at the doctor's because the, when you have a right hemicolectomy, they take out the part of your large intestine that absorbs B12 from your diet. So um, it t- again, it took me four years fighting the NHS to, for them to say, oh, sorry, we will give you B12 injections. Um, and they made a massive difference to my life. Yeah, and uh, I think like um, I have to take, uh, like uh, a cert- I have to use a certain um, sun cream as well. Um, in the oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Because of the, the B12, but uh, like I, I did used to take um, injections, but they stopped when the for, through, like I think the first lockdown because I couldn't, I wasn't able to go to my local doctor surgery, so I just take tablets now, which yeah. don't work as well. But I suppose you can't really notice it because you're sitting around a lot and <laughs> yeah. not doing much. But um, I think like I've uh, like. Even going for a walk, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go to sleep in the middle of the day sometime. See that I, I, I struggle when at the moment I've I've got an Apple Watch where I'm recording for sleep. I'm getting between two and three hours a night, and my fatigue is really bad at the moment. And it's been going on so long, it's getting to the point now where I'm forgetting things and losing things. But my problem is I can't sleep in the day at all. I don't sleep well at night. I've never been able to nap, so I just go on but um it's only recently that i've done a lot of research and found out that a majority is it is it can be down to the Crohn's disease and you know feeling so fatigued is one of the main you know main side effects isn't it yeah yeah of course and and, 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 and I, I i i can't like um have caffeine either so like um because like, that impacts my Crohn's. so like i, I have decaf i have a uh, every morning i have a decaf coffee <laughs> so mm. I, I, it, for me, I know everyone's different. Like, like for me, I don't taste the difference between, like, 
caffeine and not caffeine. I, I, don't, yeah. I, I think they're like quite the same. And you know, it can be the placebo effect. You're drinking the non-caffeine version because you're drinking coffee. Your brain thinks, uh, Mason, I can't. I'm not. I don't. I'm not allowed to drink coffee because of my ADHD. Coffee is a stimulant. So people with ADHD, their brains work different. So what's a stimulant? to normal people and not to me so when I, I bought a fancy coffee machine thinking it would help me wake up in the morning and it was making me more sleepy and, and when I got diagnosed I realised it's because um, coffee is a stimulant so it slows me down yeah, I, I, I suppose that not having caffeine is not a bad thing because like I think it makes me more hyper and maybe stay up a bit later than, than you usually do yeah and it's really caffeine is really you know for uh, dehydration and for your you know to to help with Crohn's disease, you need to have a healthy um, intestines and drinking caffeine or alcohol is a very, you know, it's very um, dehydrating. So it's, you know, it's better to keep away from it. But, you know, it's, we all know what we're meant to do, don't we, Mason? As yeah. eat healthy and drink so much water and don't do this, don't do that. But, you know, sometimes you just have to think, I'm a human being and I'm going to have fun tonight and, and I'll deal with the consequences tomorrow. And, and like when I got diagnosed, um, Dean, uh, like I had to, I had to quite fight to get an appointment because um, that, like me and my family knew something was going on and uh, that, that was key, that, that I wasn't going to see for like another month or two when things were quite bad. I was burnt, it was a burning pain in my stomach where I always at night times always had a hot water bottle and trying to reduce the pain and um, it like when I did get diagnosed and I had a like the procedures to like get tested for uh, like. Like eventually Crohn's disease, which I didn't, uh, didn't know at the time. But yeah. um, like what the consultant said, he said um, it, was, it was it was very lucky I got diagnosed when I did, and it was quite fast actually as well, because um, he said I would have had surgery if I didn't get diagnosed when I did. So I was quite grateful for that because um, although I, I've never had surgery since having Crohn's disease, and although I think I, maybe will one day, who knows. Well, you know, it's, you just got a, uh, what did I, so, what was I, 2006, 2006 to, uh, no, so 1996 to 2000, I was diagnosed and I was ill and then I had 20 years, so, you know, you just, you're, 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 you know your body best, you'll, under, you'll know when you've got the medication right and you understand what sort of foods to cut out of your, you know, I find it fascinating, you know, there's no cure for it and yet every single one of us can be complete, have completely different reactions to certain sorts of food. You know, yeah. for me, I only really stay away from spicy food, um, but I know other people that can't have vegetables or things like that. You know, I'm quite lucky. I eat pretty much as I like, just stay away from the spicy stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm the same as you there, Dean, because I, 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 I was actually quite sad, like at, at the start, but when I knew spicy food was a, a trigger for me. <laughs> Because, like, like for example, it, it, if I had a, like a, maybe a kebab like once uh, every few months, I, I, I like to have the tippy sauce, and uh, I, I was quite sad when I couldn't eat tippy sauce anymore because I really like that, and uh, yeah. I, I, I like spicy food. But now I don't eat that; I just stay away. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to go into the And that's that's the thing I think some people with Crohn's, some of us find hard, is that whole like you know. The, the why me so why why am I ill and that horrible person at school that beats people up isn't or you know why can my brother and sister eat 
loads of ice cream and I can't or whatever. But you know, I am a big believer in that. Um, I don't believe in God or you know, I'm, I'm a believer in there's something out there. But I believe that everyone that has Crohn's disease is just my belief that well, you know, it's a, I think it's a quite difficult disease to live with because it never goes away and you know it causes so many side effects: fatigue, mouth ulcers, diarrhea, you know, all sorts of other things, joint pains. A lot, but um, I believe that people with Crohn's disease have got Crohn's disease because we're strong enough to deal with it. There's lots of people that wouldn't be able to, you know. What what I've just been through the last year, you know, several operations, um, sepsis, all this sort of stuff. You know, I um, I got through it. You know, some days were really hard, but I got through it because I don't know. I just I'm a big believer in that. You know, we're we're strong people, and the reason we got this is because we're here to make a difference and um, change people's lives. Hopefully. I, I totally agree, and like, just, just, I think by work, like raising awareness for Crohn's and, and and doing that, I think it does really help because like there, there are people out there who, who who do prefer to keep like speaking about Crohn's or uh, they have IBD quite private, and like mm. uh, I I can understand that because like I, I had I, like I'd say for me because when I was diagnosed, um, I was in my last year of school like year 11 and that was quite hard because uh it was the exam like season where yeah exam were going on so it was quite of uh, an annoying for me for not coming in but i couldn't help it because i was in pain and i still went in to lessons it because i wanted to get it done because i knew i would have had to catch up anyway yeah same you know my uh when i started college when i was 18 and that was when they first I first took steroids and I was on azathioprine. So my face, I got moon face and I got really bad acne, you know, and you're 18 years old, you just started college and you want to be meeting girls or boys or whoever. Um, and I, I missed my very first day and consequently the first three weeks of my college course because I was so ill. And then of course I went three weeks later, everybody had already made friendship groups and bonded. And I felt, you know, and I, again, I was angry because I thought once again, my disease has gotten in the way of me having a normal, life but you just have to work that bit harder to um fit in and you know make up for the like you just said make up for the three weeks but i think we're all quite good at going above them you know we know when what our bodies tell us when we should rest but i think people with Crohn's disease are all quite good at pushing it a bit too far um to get things done because otherwise you know some days you, know, you can have weeks and weeks where you don't want to do anything can't you yeah and yeah. then not understand why because uh, like especially with fatigue it can be very hard to like, say because like like um uh, uh, like like because I, I i can tell the difference between like what fatigue was like before Crohn's disease and after um and like it's very different because like, although you did get fatigue you get tired of things and like i did but now it's just like like you're tired most of the day and like you just want to go to sleep yeah but we'll get there. You know, there's lots of... Um, well, I don't know that. I, I was part of a research when I was first diagnosed in Oxford because Oxford has some of the best surgeons to deal with Crohn's disease. Uh, Professor Jules um, is one of the leading people in it. Um, but in Oxford, they're... Um, I forgot what I was saying now. I've lost my track now. Um, what were we just talking about? Um, oh, 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 like, like, with... with um... Oxide are good, like, with, 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 with yeah, so there was, so, um, that was it, so, as a child, when I was diagnosed, um, 
because I've got an older brother, uh, sorry, an older sister and a younger brother, but yet I'm the only child with Crohn's disease. They did a lot of research with me, my mum and my dad there. I think there was like 10 families in, in Oxford that took part in this research. And they found out that a gene that my mum has and the gene that my dad has, I'm the only one out of the three children that has both of them genes, which, you know, so they, they've discovered the genes that cause it, but they haven't found a cure yet. And, you know, so I, so even as a quite youngster, I was quite keen to, you know, I was like, yeah, you can do tests or, you know, some people get funny about having student doctors in the room. I'm like, no, that you know, because potentially they're the ones that are going to be treating me in four or five years. So, you know, they need to learn somewhere. So, you know, they can come and have a look and, you know, we all go to the toilet. So, you know, got to get used to it, haven't they? And do you like 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 Dean like for a cure? Do you do you believe there will be one one day? I hope so. I really hope so. Um, you know, I don't know. I've have, I've got a daughter and she hasn't got Crohn's disease. I don't know. You know, they they say it's quite hereditary. I don't know how I would feel if I had a child and then passed this disease on to my child. You know, I think I would really struggle with that because you would you would blame yourself. You know, it's not your yeah. fault, but. I haven't been through what we all go through. Um, so I would hope that there is a cure, to, you know, to, for people like that. Um, but I'm just, you know, I just think there's a lot worse diseases out there. You know, I can still read and, you know, I can see and I can walk and I can talk and do so, you know. So there is worse diseases, but it's not one of, it's, you know, it's one of the horrible ones, but we've just got to get on with it, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 like Crohn's disease, it, it, it's not a nice disease to have. and. Like I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, even though no. it's very bad and like 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 it's very can be hard to explain to the person maybe who doesn't know about it as well because it's different for everybody like um like as well. And... I don't know. Do you know of? Let me just. I'm just going to look on my phone quick, Mason. There's an app that you can get which you can download on your parents or friends' phone, and it's I can't remember what it's called. If I haven't got it on, I'll message you when I find it. It was a day in the life of someone with Crohn's disease, so they download it and it would like wake them up at four in the morning and it would say, you need to go to the toilet, do you do this, do you do this? So it's it's oh. to simulate uh, what a day in the life of having Crohn's disease is for somebody that doesn't have Crohn's disease. But I made my mum and dad do it and my sisters and brothers and they was actually quite shocked at, you know, because it would just randomly text them and say, oh, you've just been to the toilet and there's lots of blood in the toilet, what are you going to do now? And they were like, oh, and I was like, that's what Crohn's disease is like. You know, there's, there's always something to, you know, you've got to take medicine or you've got or you've got mouth ulcers or your eyes are sore or your joints are sore. You know, there's always something to, so, you know, these little apps and things that people develop are really good for helping people to understand because they just see, you know, a person that doesn't look unwell and just assume that you're not unwell and that's can be far from the truth. Yeah, I, I think that is a like a, a, a really cool idea thing just to see like, like, like put other people up to the test to see like uh, how they react to by maybe getting up half a dozen times in the night. It was really, even I did it and I was like, oh God, I don't even remember it being this bad. <laughs> um, so I was a bit shocked, but once I remember what it was, I'll have it on my iPad anyway. I'll, I'll okay. send you a private message. But yeah, it's a really good app for people just to to get a bit of understanding about what it's like. Yeah, yeah. And and like like with having blood, it, it like, did, like I, I remember the first time I had blood because I, like, I, like a, I think it was a year after, um, a year or two after I was diagnosed with Crohn's, and I, I was in a good place. And like because I have a, a fissure as well, and I've had that. I would have thought I've had that ever since. 
it just doesn't get as bad it, it can get worse and bad and mm. I like I, I went to Scotland for, for a holiday and it was my first time on the plane as well because it, it was quite cool and then I went I went to a toilet and then I, I, I see blood in there and, and then I think oh no like I, I was I was I, I think I'm in a really good place for my crimes and then I see that and it can be very hard especially just seeing blood in the pan it's not it's not what you yeah. expect and the fact that you know it's not something that you can just come out of the toilet and feel really comfortable telling anybody you know yeah. if you especially on the plane you'd be you'd it'd be really difficult to be able to tell your parents or your brother or sister quietly about the whole rest of the plane here, you know, but you'd be worried. You know, some people don't, you know, I've, I've had Crohn's disease for, you know, nearly 27 years. So, you know, it's, it's that's normal for me. Um, I'm pretty good, but you know, I still have people that message me on thing and say, oh, I found blood and I don't know what to do. And I also you know if it's red, red, then it's generally just from piles or something and not to worry but if it's dark red then that's when you should worry because it's coming from yeah. inside somewhere yeah yeah like, uh, like i completely agree because like in the past like if it's red red it is it, you have to get seen and maybe if, it, if, if you actually see like i think it, if it's red and you can't see like a, a, anything else i think that's when to get checked but if you can see yeah. like piles or anything well, they, they they generally say if the if the the blood is in the water and on the pan and not in the stool, then it's not as worrying as if it was in the stool. Um, yeah. You know, I I had a wow, how many? I've had two. So there's fistula and there's a fissure. I've had both. So I've had the, the fistula where I had to have a seat on to keep the infection open to get it out. I've had them twice in the time I've had Crohn's disease, and once I had the. Um, fissure or fissure I get confused where you get the split which was very painful and took a very very long time to heal okay yeah well, I, I've never heard of that one I've heard of fissure but I haven't heard of the, uh, the other one so it's fistula and fissure one's a split in the, the um, anus wall and one is where you get so if you've got your intestine the infection burrows its way out from the bad infection in your intestine burrows its way out to, it could be anywhere on your skin I just happen to get it on my bum so they have to put like had to put an elastic band like up through your anus and through the infection and tie it to keep to let all the infection drain out so you know you get all these silly little um other things that are you know down to growth disease that people maybe not know about or be too embarrassed to go to the doctors and um get checked out yeah i think i think we learn stuff and new things all the time dean like like with crohn disease and like learn about other people's journeys i think is really cool and like like today hearing about your journey like like uh like um uh, like like from from like like since now and there's like just like where you started creating your page and raising awareness and, and i think that's a good way like to, to be and just like open about like crohn's because it, it can be like like of course you haven't like um like you haven't known anything else but since ha- having crohn's because you were so young so you've kind of known it all your life hmm. but i would i would say then you know, I have had it all my life, but in the last year since I set up the Instagram, I've come to terms with a lot more of the different aspects. You know, I've come to terms with being fatigued. I've now learned to be able to say to friends, you know what, I'm not coming out tonight, even though you desperately want me to, because I'll knock myself out for the next week and you won't care because it won't affect you. And I'm just doing it to make you happy. Well, actually, I'm going to do what makes me happy, you know. So I think that, you know, this 
new age of everyone being more open and honest for me it's been an amazing thing because it really has helped me come to you know 27 years of living with Crohn's disease and I would say that this is the year that I, or last year was the year that I finally come to terms with it and accepted it and you know just thought you just got to get up every morning and get on with it and you know fight another day. I, I, I completely agree. I, I completely agree because you you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? Like it could all just happen so quick. Yeah, well, look at me. I remission twenty years. I actually went in. I was my hospital was meant to be two days stay, and I ended up being in hospital for eight months. You know, so you, none of us know. That's why I'm a big believer in just trying to be positive every day and happy because none of us know what tomorrow is going to bring. Oh, and wow. you know, tomorrow is tomorrow it's a gift that's not given to everybody so we need to cherish every day oh, i completely agree it, it, it's been a really nice chat um dean because like uh like like speaking to you today because uh, uh it's been really interesting to hearing about your journey thank you very much and thank you for inviting me on yeah it, it, it's been a, a really fun dean Thank you. And I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll contact you about that app once I find it on my iPad. And yeah, I definitely would say, um, get your mum and that to have a go because it will really make them understand a bit better. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, it, I think that is a, a really good way just to like, uh, like help others understand like. What, what, what I th- we go if I, if I remember, I think it was called. A, day in my shoes so you go on the app store and type day in my shoes i think but i'll i'll find oh. it and I'll, I'll private message you and let you know but it's a really good thing okay well well, 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 well thank you dana it's been a, a really nice chat thank you very much mason i'll speak to you very soon speak to you very soon Bye.